Well, amen, amen. Good morning, church. It's good to see all of you here today. So glad uh, that you are here today. What an exciting day to gather together as a church. Number one, it's exciting because we are able to gather, we're able to sing praises unto the Lord, and uh, we're able to hear the word of God, and so we're thankful for that. Uh, we're also thankful for the weather. Come on, somebody. It's been beautiful outside. Uh, grateful for that. Um, lots of things to be grateful for. The Gators beat Tennessee. The Tennessee Volunteers. Come on, somebody. Um, far more important than any sports team. Uh, today, we are going to baptize at least 65 people. Praise God for that. Yes. Um, there are several that are being counseled even as I speak. So uh, you can pray for them, and uh, the Lord's doing a, a kind thing in our midst. You know, one of the things I would say to you is we, we've been working through the book of Romans, and today we're going to just press pause because of baptism Sunday, and we're going to talk about what it means to be baptized. We're going to talk about some of the theological themes, and we're going to talk about a few practical things as well. And uh, my prayer is that the Lord would use this message mightily uh, just to resonate with your spirit. But I would say this to you, uh, man, thank you for making disciples. Um, it's because of you who are being faithful to go out and tell others that uh, we're able to have these conversations with those who are saying, man, Someone shared with me the good news of Jesus, and I want to follow in believers' baptism. And to the tune of, again, 65-plus uh, people today, just an incredible, incredible thing to celebrate, and I'm grateful to God for that. So we're going to be in the Great Commission today. That's where we're going to start, and we'll have several Bible passages along the way. So if you're a note-taker, even if you're not, I would encourage you to grab your phone or whatever you can write on and just take notes. I'm going to give you several Scripture passages along the way but we'll start in the Great Commission, which is Matthew 28, uh, starting in verse 16. We get half of our mission statement directly from the Great Commission. Uh, the other half is from the Great Commandment. So we love God, <clears throat> love people, and make disciples. And I would say this to you, uh, man, I, I want you to be here next Sunday night. Uh, starting at 5 o'clock, we'll have food, and then at 6 o'clock, we'll have our members gathering you may be saying, well, I don't, I'm not a member here. Uh, you're still invited. I want you to come. I'm going to be sharing some things from my heart, strategy, mission, vision, uh, that I want you to hear. I need you to hear, and I need you to be a part of it. And so make plans next Sunday night to come. We'll have things for the kids. They'll have a great time. So for all you young families, that, that, that's an issue. Man, we'll feed you, and we'll have something for your kids so you can come and enjoy and be a part of what's going to happen next Sunday night at Members Gathering. Sound good? All right, y'all ready to dive in? Before we do, um, it's, it's Hispanic Heritage Month, and today has been set aside as Hispanic Missions Sunday. You're going to see some pictures on the screen behind me, and we're going to pray uh, for these folks. Many of you know them well, Jaime and Mirna Pagan. Uh, they are missionaries in Mexico City, and you may recall we had a small team that went there uh, last month to minister and uh, grateful to God for them. So we're going to pray for them in just a moment. Before I do, I do want to speak to my Spanish brothers and sisters for just a moment uh, in their heart language. So a mi familia española, primero, lo siento, mi español es malo, pero está bien. Buenos días, mis hermanos, estamos en el mes de la herencia, España, y hoy queremos orar 
por nuestros misioneros en la ciudad de México, Jamey y Miana Pagan. Para Dios sea toda la gloria por la obra que está haciendo. Uh, oremos. So pray with me now for the Pagan family. God, thank you for today. We thank you for the power that's found in your word. And Lord, we thank you that that word has called Jame and Mirna Pagan to Mexico to do missions. Lord, I pray that you'll raise up people from our faith family to go and join them. Lord, for short-term, mid-term, long-term mission efforts. God, we pray for our brother and sister as they faithfully minister the gospel um, to those in Mexico City. God, we know that they've walked through a season of difficulty with COVID and their place being transitioned as far as where they minister. And there's been a lot of change for their family. But God, you have been so kind. And Lord, we thank you for that. We ask, Lord, that you will just do a work in their midst that can only be attributed to your hand. Lord, that they may reach the city around them to your glory. Lord, thank you for all that you're doing. God, we thank you for all that you have done. And we thank you for all that you are going to do. And we pray all of this in the powerful name of King Jesus. And all God's people said, amen and amen. All right, so if you have found your place and you're willing and able to stand, please stand in honor of reading the word of God, Matthew chapter 28, starting in verse 16. If you dare say amen, it says this. Now, the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came, and this is what he said to them. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. May God bless the reading and proclamation of his word today. You may be seated. <clears throat> now, we are going to talk about something that happens after you trust Jesus as Savior and Lord of your life. We're going to talk about believers' baptism. You may notice, some of you may not have noticed this, but many of you notice we are a Baptist church. As a matter of fact, next month we will celebrate 150 years of being a church on this corner in Apex, North Carolina. We've been here a long time, and we have a rich history of being a Baptist church. And in Baptist history, we learn that our conviction is baptism by immersion. Now, the Greek word here is baptizo, which literally means to immerse. And this is a primary distinctive of who we are, even differing from some other Protestants. Some of you have grown up uh, under kind of the, the sprinkling idea of baptism, maybe even when you were a child, others when you get a little bit older. But we believe scripturally the Bible speaks towards this idea of immersion. This is so convictional for many Baptists that they uh, would find themselves in a position that if they're baptizing someone, and this literally happened to a friend of mine, and that someone did not go all the way underwater, he realized that, man, I need to fully baptize them. So he starts like lapping water over their face to make sure they're fully covered. 
It's something that we believe, and I hope that after today you'll see that it's not just an arbitrary belief, that it is something that we have gleaned from the Word of God. So before we launch too deeply into this, I want to settle everyone in the room down a little bit and and just recognize that there are varying views amongst evangelical Christians on this very subject. I know this to be true, and we give it full consideration on days like today where we have a baptism Sunday, baptism at the lake. We give it full consideration because it's important, and we truly understand that it changes the way we view baptism if we divert from what we see scripturally. So a few theological implications, a few practical implications. We're going to dive into that. Get your uh, pen, pencil, phone ready. So the practice of baptism in the New Testament was carried out in this one way, immersion, baptizo, to plunge, to dip, to immerse. An example is in Acts chapter 8. You can write this down, verses 26 through 40. This is when Philip is ministering to the Ethiopian eunuch. And Philip is telling him what the word of God means. And then the Ethiopian says something interesting. He says, what keeps me from being baptized? Well, they find a body of water and they go to this body of water and he is immersed in this body of water. They waited for a body of water near the road and they went down to that water and that's where he was baptized. Now, the symbolism in this is incredible. The symbolism is union with Christ. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus is so key, is so important. We dealt with this earlier in the book of Romans. Romans chapter 6, verses 3 and 4 says, Do you not know that all who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, In order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too may walk in newness of life. So you can see great symbolism here with baptism by immersion, being baptized into the death of Jesus. So we're dying to our old self. We're not who we used to be. And we are being raised to walk in the newness of life. Jesus himself was immersed and gave us this picture of what is to come for those who follow him. And so again, a picture of going down into the grave, being buried, coming up out of the waters, the picture of being raised with Christ, walking in this newness of life. And it's a very clear picture of old life versus new life. Second Corinthians 5:17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is past, behold, all things have become new. So we have new life in Jesus. I, I got a chance to experience this in a special way. Yesterday, I preached at a men's event yesterday in Moyoc, North Carolina. Anybody know where Moyoc, North Carolina is? A couple of you. All right. Let me just tell you, for those of you that don't know, it's a long way from here. And when I committed to preach in Moyoc, I never heard of Moyoc, so I just assumed, oh, that's Raleigh-Durham area. Um, Moyoc, that Moyoc commitment got me up at 4 a.m. because I had to be there by nine. But anyway, we were there and it was really cool because just love, love men's events and being able to preach at those. I love anytime I get a chance to share the gospel. And afterwards, this man came up to me and he's like, man, I recently gave my life to Jesus. And he's like, it's awesome. God has done a work in me. I'm not who I used to be, man. He's changed me. And he asked for prayer for his wife because his wife still doesn't know Jesus and he wants her to know Jesus. So we had a chance to gather around this brother and pray for him. But I, I just knew what I was preaching on today. And I pictured 
pictured this idea of the old being gone and now walking in the newness of life, how he had experienced that. And confidently we prayed that his wife too will experience the same thing. You, you may have heard of the picture of washing, right? So the scriptures does talk about this idea of washing when it comes to baptism. As we go into the water, there's a picture of our sins being washed away. This comes from Acts 22 verse 16, where it says, rise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on his name. Titus 3 verse 5 speaks of the washing of regeneration. Again, this is symbolic it's not literal. It's not that as soon as you get into the water, now your sins are washed and you can see them go away in the creek. That's not the case at all. When we call on the name of the Lord, at that moment we are justified, we are redeemed, we've been given new life on the inside. Baptism is an external picture, an external testimony, an external confession showing what God has already done on the inside. And so we must never lose sight of the beauty and the significance that's displayed in water baptism. Here's the beauty. We've escaped the judgment that we deserve. First Peter chapter 3 presents a symbol of Noah escaping the judgment on the ark. We escape the wages of sin being death and an eternity apart from Jesus. We escape that. And so we die to ourselves. The old is gone. We rise in new life in Christ. I once was dead, but now I'm alive. As the hymn says, I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once was blind, but now I see. It's when we understand, brothers and sisters, these truths more clearly that it, clearly that it becomes a huge blessing when we experience baptisms as a church family. How many of you know that today, days like today, where we get to baptize 65 plus people, how many of you know that this is a gift? I mean, think about it. We are called, according to the word, to plant seeds of the gospel. We are called to water the seeds of the gospel. And God is the one that gives the increase. He says, if we lift his name high, he will draw all men into himself, and he has been so kind to allow 65 potentially plus people to be baptized and for us to experience that. I would say that it's days like today that we can kind of be charismatic with a seatbelt. We can take off some of those old baptistic ways where we are just mad about it. Not mad about everything, I'm sorry. Uh, that's the wrong, wrong, wrong word. I didn't mean to use that. Where we are just not happy to be in church sometimes. Or at least we display just this idea of like, yeah, that's good. That's cool. Oh, yeah, awesome. Awesome. Somebody, somebody got saved, man, that's cool. That's awesome. Oh, NC State one? Come on, somebody. Right? All right. All right. So you get my picture, right? So this is where we can say, hey, if I can get this excited about the Gators beating somebody, man, shouldn't I? And I'm not telling you how you should emote, but shouldn't we get fired up when someone goes from death to life? Come on, somebody. Yeah. So, so th this is where we say, yeah, we're Baptist convictionally because we have this framework of doctrine that we closely align with. And man, this is, this is distinctive to us and this matters to us deeply. We want to walk within that theological parameter. Those things matter to us, but we are okay getting excited because this is a gift to be able to see people saved, man. Listen, if you have ever had the privilege of leading somebody to Jesus, 
If you've ever had the privilege of being able to share the good news of Christ with someone and watching them respond, not to how eloquent you were in your words and how meaningful what you said was, but to Jesus, responding to his word, wow. You're able to say, man, can't take it. That's the best thing ever. That God would save someone. That God would clearly give someone new life. So who is baptized? Acts 2.41, we see that those who receive the word were the ones that were baptized. You hear the word, your spiritual eyes are open, you see a need to trust in Christ, to repent of your sins, and so you do that, and these are the ones that are to be baptized. In Acts 8, for example, verse 12, Philip preached in Samaria, and it says, when they believed Philip, as he preached good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus, they were baptized, both men and women. So when you hear the word, you respond to the word, and then you follow in obedience, believers, Baptism. This is really important because I think about this a lot. We live in a culture here in America where we are trying to be, and not us in particular, but as a whole in the church world, many churches are trying to be the best product in town. So we have these really cool buildings. We have this just lots of cool stuff. We try to get a preacher that, man, he just can tell good jokes and he's relatable and you know, he doesn't preach too long. And we try to, you know, get all these things that kind of appease to the people. And so we program a lot of things because we want the people to, you know, as consumers to consume something that they enjoy. Can, can I just like clear all of that up? We, we are going to do things with, with excellence. We're going to do things to the best of our ability, to the glory of God. All of that matters. But let me tell you, what we just read is this, those who are saved, who follow in believer's baptism, they do this because, hear me, they received the word. So if this is not gonna be your forever church home and you choose to go somewhere else, can I just say this to you? Go somewhere where the word is faithfully exposited which means someone's opening the Bible and they're going line by line teaching you what the word says. Why? Because we don't need the jokes, man. And I'm going to tell jokes, by the way. We don't need all the illustrations, but I'm going to tell illustrations. We, 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 don't, we don't need all those things, even though I'm going to give you those things, because it's my personality. But what's primary when I study and the lion's share of what you're, is it's not what I have to say. It's what I'm just being used as a vehicle to say to you. And it's the word. It's what we need. We need the word. We don't need to be the coolest church in town. We need the word. We are the coolest church in town. We don't need to be the coolest church in town. We need the word, man. And we need to receive the word of God. So baptism is appropriate for those that have been born. Again, Nicodemus, for example, in John 3, he's like, man, how do you go back in your mother's womb? What does it mean to be born again? And Jesus is like, no, that's not what I'm talking about. When I talk about regeneration, it's your spiritual eyes being open for the first time. And you now have a new name. As Paul said in Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So if you have trusted Christ, if you have repented of your sins, if you are delighting in Christ, you should be baptized. 
Now, we don't believe in spontaneous baptisms, and here's what I mean by that. I don't mean that today you can't make a decision to say, man, I want to trust in Christ, or maybe you've already trusted in Christ, but you've not followed in believer's baptism, and you want to make a decision to be baptized even today um, at Jordan Lake. I'm not saying you can't. I'm, I, I think you absolutely can, and, and here's the thing that matters. We want to counsel with you. We're not just going to arbitrarily say, anybody that wants to come to the water, we'll dunk you with no conversation. No, we're going to talk to you. And that's exactly what happened with Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch is they had a conversation, but at that moment he says, well, what's keeping me? Well, nothing. Here's a body of water. Hey, guess what? There's a body of water over there at Jordan Lake that we're about to go to, and we're going to have some chicken and some good fixings, some good groceries, come on, all around it before we go into the water. But there's a body of water, man. And if you want to talk about that, we're here to talk with you. And we had a couple of people after the first service that said, hey, I need to talk about that. I need to have a conversation. I praise God for that. So uh, why do we need to be baptized? Well, baptism is commanded by Jesus. We read in Matthew 28, 19, go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Acts 2, 38, Peter said to them, repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Baptism is an act of obedience that is necessary. Here's why, for obedience' sake. So we must be careful that we understand what baptism truly is. Baptism is not a necessity for salvation. We don't believe in what is known as baptismal regeneration. There are some that believe, and I think it's a mistaken belief, that if you go into, when you go into the water, that is the moment you're truly saved. So if you make a profession of faith right now, you are not saved until you get to the water is what some believe. We reject that. We think the moment that you call on the name of the Lord to be saved, you are saved. For that's what the word says. For all who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. We believe that. But we also believe that it's critical to walk in obedience. Jesus was baptized. Jesus commanded us to be baptized. We want to walk in obedience and we want to follow in believers' baptism because we desire to be obedient to the Lord. We're not justified by water baptism. We're justified by grace through faith in Christ alone. There's no work that can save us. Galatians 3.2 says, let me ask you this. This also, did you receive the spirit by works of the law or by hearing of faith? Well, we receive the spirit of God by hearing of faith. When we call on the name of the Lord and trust in him, we receive the spirit of God. We have new life in him, but we are to follow his commands and we are to be baptized if we believe in him. It's highly important and it's an issue of obedience. So simply put, we reject baptismal regeneration. However, we believe that it's critical that we as believers confess our faith in Jesus publicly through believers' baptism. That's why we have baptism on the lawn and baptism at the lake and while we do baptisms here because we want to publicly declare what Christ has already done on the inside. Here's another question. How old? How old do I need to be in order for me to be baptized? Well, old enough to give a believable profession of faith Convincing evidence of what it means to trust in Jesus, exact age does vary. And we want to avoid any type of manipulation, especially with children. 
I heard of a VBS, a vacation Bible school once. They had one barrel on the stage that represented hell and it had fire painted on it and flames and it was, it was just this nasty looking barrel. And then you had this beautiful barrel over here that was painted real pretty and it represented heaven. And the speaker had the audacity to stand in front of these kids and say, if you wanna go to heaven and be with your mama and your daddy and your friends, then you write your name on a card and you drop it in that bucket and we'll follow in baptism. And we'll, we'll just praise the Lord for all the work that he's done. So if you want to do that, put your name here. Now, if you don't want to do that and you want to go to a real place called hell and be eternally separated, you put your name in that bucket. Guess where every kid put their name? And they walk through the rest of their life thinking that I'm eternally secure because of manipulation. It's dangerous, man. And listen, I believe fully that those types of things that happen, whoever was in charge of that, whoever, whoever you know, kind of spearheaded that, they will be held to account. We don't want to ever manipulate. And, and this is very personal for me because I was one of those kids that was baptized when I was young. And there's, we'll talk more about this in just a second. There's nothing wrong with that. However, there was something gravely wrong with that for me because I never trusted in Jesus. I just was fed into the cattle chute and I was counted. And you hear a lot about the numbers and less about disciple making. Wow. So when I was 16, going on 17, gave my life to Jesus, I realized that my baptism was on the wrong side of my profession. And I wanted to follow in believer's baptism because now I believe to the point where I've had to have my wife and I both some very serious conversations with our middle daughter who wants to be baptized every time we do a baptism service because she sees her friends and it's exciting and I want to be a part of that. But when we sit down and talk to her, she's just not ready. And so I pray for her because I want her to be ready, man. But I also know it's critical not to rush that. It's critical to trust Jesus that she is his and I just got to keep planting keep watering. Here's what we avoid. We avoid the other side of that same coin, hindering a child that does get it, regardless of what the age is. If they get it, we ain't going to hinder them. Jesus said, let the little children come, man. We're not going to hinder anyone um, if, if they understand. So we need to pray for wisdom and discernment. Uh, also, I'll just reiterate this again. Baptism does need to be on the right side of our conversion. So if you were baptized when you were young, again, you may, you may have been in a different uh, type of church and that was just commonplace. The Bible says that now if you are a follower of Christ and you've placed your trust in him, you ought to publicly confess through believer's baptism what Christ has done. You should publicly profess that. This is a profession of faith uh, for you publicly to say, here's what God's already done on the inside and I want the world to know. So three closing thoughts and they're gonna be really quick. Are you ready? All right, cool. Here's number one, obedience. We've hammered that today. Obedience is a characteristic of followers of Jesus. Matthew 28, 20, Jesus said that we should teach new believers to observe everything I've commanded you. That's discipleship. What God has taught us, we teach others. This is part of discipleship. So baptism, like what we're doing today, we're learning. And that's what discipleship is, to create learners. We're learning today. We're growing. Baptism is an act of obedience both for new believers and for the church. So we want the new believer, the believer in Christ to be baptized. It's an act of obedience for you. It's also an act of obedience for the church. We baptize as a church to obey God's command. So that's number one. Here's number two, witness. 
How is baptism a witnessing opportunity for us? Well, according to Romans 6, our baptism witnesses the saving work of Christ in our life. We were dead and we're buried in that death, but we're raised to walk in the newness of life. I've, given, I've been given a new name. Have new desires, have a new life in Jesus. It's a symbol and it's a visual that reenacts his burial in the grave and his resurrection to life. So when we see a new believer walk into the water, go under the water, come up out of the water, we are seeing what Jesus did to save us. Here's number three, the church. Acts 2.47 tells us that the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So Peter's preaching earlier in Acts 2 tells us that those who repented and received Jesus, they were baptized. So therefore, the first church was made up of those who have been saved and who have been baptized. So they were saved, then baptized. In spite of some obvious cultural and social differences between the first century church and today's church, I would say that the requirement for congregational inclusion should still be believer's baptism. We will teach you that in Discover Apex. So if you're going to be a part of this faith family, we want you to follow through with believer's baptism. Now, what about the outliers? What about the situations where someone physically can't be baptized? We, man, we accommodate that to the best of our ability, we, we, will, we will make that work and make that happen. So just know that there's always exceptions for those types of things. But as a church, we have a commitment to Christ and we have this commitment to be a local church that pleases him and honors him. Last thing I'll say, cause I'm running low on time. Last thing, quickly, I'm actually out of time. Last thing I'll say, um, last Sunday, I had a 50-something-year-old mom and an 18-year-old son that came up to me, and they were so excited. And the son's like, hey, can I, take your, can I take a picture with you? I was like, yeah, why? Why do you want to take a picture? He's like, I just want to mark this day because, man, we have given our lives to Jesus, and we're going to be two out of the 60-plus that will be baptized at Jordan Lake next week. And the mom's just crying. I'm like, man, this is awesome. This is why we're here. We want to take them. We want to baptize them, celebrate their conversion, and disciple them so that they can go and multiply and replicate and do the same. Amen. Come on. Come on, yes, awesome. I shared with you a while back a lady from my former church, Miss Betty, who was 96 years old, and she'd been wrestling for years because she'd been saved for a long, long time, but she was baptized like as a baby, and she wanted to get baptism on the right side of her conversion. And, man, the Florida Baptist Witness, which is a newspaper in Florida, did this big article on her because she was baptized at 96, and they interviewed her, interviewed her and she said this, when you're my age and you got something left to do, you better do it because you don't know how much time you got left. And I thought... Come on, somebody. She's like, I ain't worried if anybody thinks, hey, what's this, 90-year-old? She just gets saved? And everybody kind of judgy, you know what I'm saying? Like, go ahead and get all that out your brain. It don't matter where you are in life. God sees you. He's always seen you. He knows you. He's always known you. You need to respond in obedience, whatever that looks like for you today. Let me pray for us. God, thank you for being kind to us. Thank you for today. Thank you for your goodness. God, as we... Uh, continue on with the next service and then go out to Jordan Lake. God, may it just be a special time that lifts up your name. Is anyone here that needs to be saved? God, I pray that you will, Lord, just nudge them to trust in you. God, I pray for those that are here that are already saved, but they've just been struggling with baptism. I pray today clarity has been brought and God, that they'll respond in obedience to you. And we pray all of this in the powerful name of King Jesus and all God's people said, amen.